What's going on, quitters? It's another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. You know me, as always. I am comedian Maxim Allen. Today is September 9th, 2023, and I'm joined by a very special guest this evening, someone who I've been doing a show with every Tuesday for <laughs> yeah. two months. Everyone give it up right now for Camille Roberts. I think it's been longer than two months, but <laughs> yeah, it's been a dangerously long time that we've had the yeah the it, lineup there, but a good time. It's been a good time, and the time is improving over time. Yes, steadily more people have heard about how fantastic we are for the <laughs> 10 p.m. show on Tuesdays. <laughs> it cracks me up too because I feel like I feel like I was in a weird comedy place like the first couple months of that show. So I was just kind of like bombing and I was like, I was just in a rut and then I'm pulling myself out and I feel like also many of the comedians in that lineup were going through breakups at the same time. Oh my time. gosh, yes they were. <laughs> I felt like I was the only person in a healthy relationship yeah, at right? that time and I was like, wow. Yeah, but it was a filtering process for the show. I'm like, I'm not going to tell the producers that I actually am in a healthy relationship yeah, right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, I really was. I liked your comedy a lot when I first came. I felt like it was like a little all over the place, and you had really fun crowd work, like <laughs> strange crowd that. work going on. And I really was attracted to that. It was awesome. So. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you think it's good because I was like the first few months I was like, man, I am sucking so hard. <laughs> I'm trying everything. <laughs> yeah, we've all had like some type of emotional crisis over that time, but it's been really cool. There's not really another. I feel like part thing in New York that I've been a part of like that mm -hmm. where it's such a like regular crew. It's yeah. kind of I really like the setup they're doing with that. I think it's unique and it's yeah, it's cool and it's also the the knowledge that you have something that you're booked on regularly <sighs> is so relaxing. It's such <laughs> <Yeah>. a relief. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. I was just in a rut with like yeah, that that fatigue mm -hmm. in New York of like constantly reaching out and trying to get so like it is so relaxing to be like, OK, I know I'm going to at least have this going on. Well, the day before I got booked on it, I remember I had like a whole I was like full crisis where I was oh like, gosh, yeah. I'm not getting booked on anything. I haven't been able to write anything. I got a bad writer's block. I'm just feeling in a funk. What am I even doing? And then the next day I got booked and I was like, you know, everything's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, fine. I'm clearly crushing it. I actually had a similar crisis, but I was on this vacation in Lisbon mm -hmm. and I was so relaxed like the most relaxed I've ever been in my life I scheduled zero comedy over there and I was mm -hmm. like this is lovely what <laughs> am I doing with my life um and then I got that text and then like recently like last week or something I was, I was speaking um with one of the producers uh, uh and well I was speaking with Amy and mm -hmm. I was just like oh my gosh I was so depressed before this I'm so happy I felt like it was just like really over the top and yeah, she was yeah. like great <laughs> like, yeah. I was like oh god I that was seem this totally me too I didn't bump into them for a couple months until after the show and I was yes. like thank you so much yeah they're so nice they're, they're the best yeah they're, they're great so how long have you been doing stand-up comedy Whew. um I guess coming up on seven years seven years yeah. wow okay nice yeah did you grow up in a family that was into stand-up did you have early exposure I would say I have three older siblings okay. and two of them are brothers yeah, yeah. who think have always, well, <laughs> they are very funny to be okay. fair, but they were definitely more into comedy, watching stand-up comedy, like thinking about doing it. Right, right. Uh, and they were considered like Young the men in the early people. 2000s more oh, into yeah. it than their sister. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know exactly the brand of humor. Um, yeah, I really didn't. 
my family would probably go to a stand-up show like when we got older, maybe like once a year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I found Tig Notaro. Oh, and nice. I was like, oh, stand-up can be different than <laughs> one, what Tig I'm used is to. one of my all-time favorites. There's Tig and then Dimitri Martin are my okay. like goats. Those are yeah, yeah, yeah. Good choices. I think it's just Tig for me. Just I don't Tig, know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's grown. As I've gotten into stand-up, then I was like, okay, there's you know, if you just go to one show a year mm -hmm. and you pick a bad one, then yeah. I feel like it's not a very good representation <laughs> of the art form. So Yeah. I'll also on this podcast, uh, in the God only knows how many comedians I've interviewed, like the big ones, surprisingly, I mean, most people mention Dave Chappelle, Louis C.K. as okay. like early, like greats, right? Tig <laughs> is like up there as like a close third, I'd say. Really? Like, oh, a good. lot of people mention Tig, which is incredible and unexpected. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the people who like Tig really like Tig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, I was... Um, introducing my girlfriend like more to Tig, mm -hmm. uh, trying not to push it too hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just being like, oh, you like, oh. <laughs> um, and yeah, we were listening to her podcast. I feel like she just doesn't get it because a lot of it is just Tig like talking. And yeah. I think her inflection and everything she does is so funny, mm -hmm. but not everyone. I think some people are just like, so. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But. I think with like Tig specifically, the humor is so like awkward sometimes. And that's what's fun about it. But some people don't click with that vibe. Yeah. And I don't know, like for like Tig and like Dimitri Martin being like favorites of mine for a long time. I'm like, I could not be more different comedically Definitely. than them. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, I I don't even know if I would be brave enough to be that awkward on stage. <laughs> the, have you seen the bit of Tig just like pushing the stool around yeah. on whatever late night that is and it just like stops and like peers out? Like yeah. I could definitely <laughs> never do that. Like You gotta be so that. comfortable with like so much silence. Yeah. And I feel like the amount of time we do as like comedians at this level is like, okay, I'm doing between eight and 12 minutes right. usually. Do I want to give up like potentially bombing half of that for like 30 seconds of silence that could be a good laugh. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly. And then you have to commit and come back to it yeah. if it doesn't like, yeah, it's very bold. That's true. We're, we're limited by time mm -hmm. and not already being famous. And not being famous, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Respect to Tig, but you yeah. know. Yeah. So did you find her like, did you start like uh, watching comedy in like middle school, high school, anything like that? Or how'd you kind of come around to it? Yeah, I saw I saw Take Live. That was like the first oh, really? live stand-up show I saw. She randomly <laughs> wow. came to, and it was, I don't like to say this because like, you know, I feel like, oh, I was, liked her before she was famous, but I think this was in like 2011 or 12. Yeah, it's pretty, that's a long time um, And she came to Bethlehem. I'm from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay. She came to Bethlehem. I have a on distant this, relative from there. <laughs> oh my gosh, amazing. There's so much in Um. Yeah, she came to do this show that I think was touring called The Nobodies of Comedy. Okay. And yeah, she just did this like a classic TIG observational joke about like a plane crashing mm -hmm. and being asked if she'd like assist in the emergency and just like repeating like, yeah, if I'm still sitting in the, you know, and mm -hmm. I was just like, oh my God, she's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's probably yeah. when I just started like, literally just following Tig and yeah. watching her clips online, like yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, I feel like a, a lot of us of this generation, that was it, is like hearing or seeing or like finding some comedian randomly on TV or the radio and then just YouTube, Pandora, like just getting everything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's so different than today where you like can come across more comedians, like clips and stuff like on social media. And it's wild them. that people we know have fans like on the internet who like follow them. Yes. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like them? <laughs> I know. They're I, know. I mean, they're pretty yeah, cool, yeah. but they're just a person. <laughs> I know. Like, they're pretty good. Yeah. Because people, I mean, who really lean into that, in which I don't do, take advantage mm. of online and are yeah. doing like sketch and different things. And like this one thing that I'm really incapable of doing, like talking directly into my phone and like talking oh about my, my dad, like get ready with me. Yeah. I feel like there's a point at which I could have started doing that on my TikTok. Um, and I just chose not to. So now I'm kind of like pigeonholed mm -hmm. into just posting clips, which I feel much more comfortable with. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. I had a friend's birthday recently and his sister hit me up and was like, we're doing this thing for him. Uh, go to this website. You're going to submit a one minute video talking about like your favorite memory and like what you value about him as a friend or whatever. And I yeah. was like, oh, it's a great idea. And when it came time to talk at my phone, dude, I've recorded probably a hundred hours of podcast this year. Right. And I, when I came time to look at my phone and talk to my phone, I was so nervous. I was like, yeah. what is wrong with me? Well, I'm like, because you're making eye contact with yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, but then when you flip it around, you're not quite looking at the right place. Right, right. Maybe there's like, I could flip it around and put like a mark on the, I don't know what people do normally. I think they're just looking at themselves, right? The trick is if you, I think most people are looking at themselves, okay. their front camera. I think yeah. if you were to do back camera, it's pretty easy. You just look literally at the camera lens. You're so smart. I was like, we have to add an extra marking onto the camera. <laughs> Where could it be? I once, yeah. uh, I remember back in like, this must have been like MySpace early Facebook days. Sure, there was sure. like a tip online. It's like selfie tip. If you take a, a selfie in a mirror, look at your phone camera in the mirror and then yeah. your eyes will be looking in the right spot. I remember and that tip. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's, that <laughs> is very smart. obvious. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hmm. But yeah, I, uh, the the whole like internet thing, I don't know. I don't even post clips that often. One time I got like on a tear of posting like 10 clips and I was like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I was used to be much better at it. I think mm -hmm. I was posting, trying to post like three or four clips a week mm -hmm. for a while. And when I started doing it, I had a huge backlog of clips because I never posted clips. Right. So I had like two hours I was pulling from. Mm -hmm. And then once those ran out, I was like, okay, I, I guess set like. The camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I started bringing my phone everywhere. And then it just really dropped off because it's very draining. It's to so keep draining. Doing that. And like yeah. I, at, at the show we do every week, part of me sometimes I'm like, should I set up my phone in the back? And I'm like, no way. Yeah. I'm just going to have fun with this. But now they send tapes out. So if you want them, they're there. <laughs> it is. Can be, yeah. I started like sometimes just recording audio at the 10 p.m. one. And then like I'm like, if something really good happens, I'll take my audio and mm. like use the, you know, That's smart. mix it. But I always record yeah. audio for everything. And I almost never listen to it unless I like crushed with a joke. And you want to hear like. Yeah. Yeah. I used to record audio of every set, like I've ever done since 2016 or 17 or it's whatever. A long time. Um, yeah, there's days of voice notes on my phone because it's also like <laughs> me talking to myself. I also used to like 
write music. So yeah, it's just yeah. like hours of me singing, writing your, singing at your phone in the subway music. station. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I really hope when I die, like no one is interested enough to dig up. I don't know. That stuff. I think about it all the time that we're, we all li- leave like a digital gravestone in yeah. a way. Like I have this huge hard drive array that I like store all my like long term data on. And I'm like, when I die, maybe my grandkids are like, let's see what grandpa is up to. Oh, it's the days of voice memo sets. Oh, it's yeah. all the podcast clips, like everything. Like my grandparents are getting old and I was and like they're old enough where I can't ask them the historical questions I'm really interested in now. Yeah. Like I, I literally asked my grandma, I was like, you guys were around when Eisenhower built the interstate. Like, how was that? Was that like crazy? And he what she, year was that? <laughs> like the 50s. Okay. okay and she yeah. goes, yeah, that was he did that. I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> like, like, and yeah. they have no digital footprint. So you can't like you can't go back in time and stalk your grandparents through their whole like lifetime, you know? I know. And we're yeah. gonna be the first generation that gets that where people can go back and be like, I know exactly what my what my grandpa was like in college because right. their Facebook has it on there. <laughs> but our like gener I feel like it's so much more boring. I guess everyone yeah. thinks that, but like it feels too modern. Like, I feel like yeah. it's before the 70s. America was actually, like, really interesting. Yeah, I'm totally. sounding really Republican <laughs> really when I Republican. Say this. <laughs> I think it's still fine. Um, I'm just saying Brooklyn yeah. needs to go back to the way it was in yeah. 1948. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, yeah, I think about that with my parents grew up in, in like, the early 50s mm-hmm. and just how much yeah the world has changed just in their lifetime and they're just like keep going along like they just everyone accepts everything you know as it goes you remember when uh facebook came out and the elders discovered facebook my mom like for months was like oh my god i just reconnected with this person i haven't seen in 30 years can you believe (laughs) they're doing terribly (laughs) Yeah, yeah they look awful i know so, uh, yeah. stand up. Oh, you yeah. start Sorry. getting into stand up. You start consuming Tig. Um, what? When do you get the idea that you want to start doing stand up? Um, or maybe try it out. I kind of like. So I wrote a lot my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like wrote terrible music and poetry nice. and like short stories, fiction, whatever memoir. And Days I loved creative writing. <laughs> Just <laughs> so much, so bad, all of it. Uh, and but I'm also the type of person who I'm a big project starter. Mm. Uh, and it was difficult for me to work on long-term writing projects because I would like manically work on things for a few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was no one to share it with. So I would lose interest on completing Right, right. And I think when you're working not in live performance, like it's a really long process that you have to yes. commit to put other things in place anyway so i was just like incapable of doing that and really mm. frustrated with myself creatively and around the same time i started just having this unfounded belief that i would be good at stand-up nice and started like <laughs> recording myself sort of doing stand-up but just like sitting down into my 2014 macbook you know <laughs> so there's also a digital footprint of that uh there's a Tumblr somewhere with oh <laughs> original, <gosh>. yeah, <laughs> original like, clips. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, yeah. Um, and so then I was talking to my one 
friend Ash about this and she had tried stand up before. It was like a mm. bucket list item for her. She's yeah. like, you should just do it. And she basically like forced me to do it mm. once. And then I loved it because I could see this feedback to my writing in real time. Right, right. So it's that instant gratification. Where was situation. your first open mic? I did like a variety mic at GW. GW? In the fall of 2016. George Washington. Oh. My college. College. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, nice. So I, yeah. Did that in like October 2016. And then, yeah. So it's generous of me to say seven years because I feel like you don't really start and like hit the ground running. Because yeah. I probably didn't do my next set for like two months. That same friend had a like a house show. Mm -hmm. And we invited, we, we TA'd um, the freshman biomedical engineers mm -hmm. and they all came and were packed into her house and then like our friends it was like probably 40 50 people packed into this tiny like college mm -hmm. trashy house and i did 15 minutes and it went really well but wow. just because it was like to my friends yeah, mostly yeah, yeah. uh and the guy who helped us produce it happened to be a local comedy producer mm -hmm. in dc and he was like, oh, you're not like terrible. <laughs> I just now learned that George Washington College is not by the George Washington Bridge in New Jersey or New York. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Yes, it is I'm a, in I'm a, DC. I'm a Western States guy, so I'm still learning East Coast geography. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not that well known of a university. I should have just been like, oh, GW. Yeah. Um, That's sick, though. Yeah. It's kind of a cool. Do you know, have you been to DC? Not yet. Okay. I've, I've taken the Amtrak through it and I've driven through it, oh but I've God, not stopped there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great comedy scene. You should go check yeah, it out. Yeah. I know I, I've had a few people on who are from DC, like uh, Hayden Arrington, um, yeah. Noah Miller. Cool guys. John Hedrick, also from DC. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say the. Um, the unfounded thought that you'd be good at stand up is how all of this starts for all of us. I yeah. Feel like. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think. I've always I wanted to do it for a long time, like even starting in college. Like I met one of my my best friends in Najee who just moved to the city because we were in the same dorm together and we were going to the freshman orientation. He came up to me and my friend were like, do you guys like stand up? And yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But it's I remember around the t I started in like 2018. Okay, like, so cool. I was long out of college and I, I remember watching Netflix specials a lot. And some of them I'd be like, I feel like I could do better than that. Like. Yes. Yeah. It was definitely that where I'm like, this isn't that interesting. Um, yeah. It's like some people it's it, it also makes more sense now having done comedy for a while. Why someone who releases a special every year, every other year would make bad specials or why yes. really rich people would make bad specials. Yes. You know? That's the other. I know it makes sense for sure. Um, I don't. And, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Ahead. Uh, I also wanted to ask about this. You're an engineer as well. You're biomedical. Yes. Okay. I'm an electrical engineer. That's what I was oh, cool. For. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At GW in DC, mm -hmm. we it's kind of like it, the biomedical engineering used to be a specialization of the electrical engineering program. Interesting. And then it split when I was there. Mm. But basically, you it's like electrical engineering up through junior year, and then you take some useless electives interesting in did you get Biomed. through like did you get through like circuits two and stuff yeah wow yeah. nice um, that's usually the one D that kills and... everybody yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we went through like all the i feel like difficult mm -hmm. stuff of and we took yeah like digital signal processing and 
also like a sucks. Few levels of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm, I uh, I specialized in RF engineering, so I do okay. like wireless and radio frequency stuff. Cool. Yeah. So I have avoided coding. Oh my so gosh! Congratulations. <laughs> I'm much. I was much more into the hardware side of things mm. too. I really didn't take to well i guess the nitty-gritty of coding like i liked thinking higher level and Mm -hmm. like more abstracted about like how to make systems work but like the actual yeah i think for me it was um i i liked coding enough when you're programming like a little hobby something or another like you're programming arduino to do a couple fun things like oh that's fun because i type in the code immediate feedback the stand-up thing kind of and then, but when I saw what ComSci majors were doing, I was like, you would have to kill me to get me to do yes. that. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. My brother can do stuff like that. And I'm just like, it's so boring to me and yeah. frustrating. Like the wins are not <laughs> enough. Yeah, I agree. Like I really enjoyed program because we kind of split into, yeah, the more biomed stuff. So it's mm-hmm. applications in like medical imaging or medical right. devices. So it's more rewarding because you're kind of doing like cool filtering stuff you're getting the application yes direct like immediately getting the application that's cool yeah i I had an ultrasound a couple like a year or two ago for something and i was so annoying during that ultrasound i was like so what what does the goo do does this like provide a better medium for the waves to be transmitted through like what is uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) like doing asking all the engineering questions and the lady's just like "Uh uh-huh yeah Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't care at all. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, anyway, mm-hmm. you do a house show. You do 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. There's a producer there. Yes. My friend Brock Snyder, who's really cool. Um, And we're still good friends. And he had started. He was kind of piloting at that time doing comedy shows in luxury apartments Whoa. In, in D.C., and Great it really gig. took off. So he had like partnered with Bazudo Properties and he would have <laughs> like almost nightly shows in these apartment buildings. Wow. And so he'd set it up in their fancy common rooms and yeah, they would get like, and there'd be free alcohol and free food that so was sponsored for the event. So you get like 20, 30 people in there or like as many as like 60 people mm-hmm. who would just obviously like wander down. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of just starting. So he would like sometimes comics wouldn't show up and so you'd be like oh can you do like 15 can you do 20 so my first year of comedy (laughs) i was doing like getting like booked four times a week on these shows and getting to do between like 10 and 20 minutes like very regularly so that was really helpful and then that's like an extreme crash course it was (laughs) incredible like i definitely owe a lot of like getting really comfortable Mm -hmm. plus like i was performing in environments that are not innately as comfortable as like performing in a club because you're in a well-lit room um on the same level Mm -hmm. and basically just like talking to people in their house uh so yeah so it was like getting used to talking to people and being in sort of some uncomfortable situations Mm -hmm. uh and then that became like a really popular thing in dc and my friend brock like really turned that into like a whole enterprise so a lot of comedians wanted to do it so that's how i met like and they were also earlier in the evening so Mm -hmm. people come do that and go do other shows so through that i just met like all the good people in dc and then was doing their shows and stuff so sick wow yeah so it was a hit the ground running i've been 
for years I have been talking about throwing like producing private stand up events for like people like yeah. at, in their homes and stuff. And I just never pulled the trigger. And it's good to know someone is doing it in a real capacity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, him uh, and his wife, Kylie, like they both work on it and mm. like full time. They're wow. doing events. They travel. They have events in Boston. They go down to Florida. Like they have this whole enterprise. Damn. I'll connect you with you him. Know what I'm gonna do? If you're interested in doing the New York shows. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm gonna make a bunch of flyers and I'm gonna put them on all the buildings in the Upper West Side that said, "Do you want a comedy show on your rooftop?" Yes. Hit me up. It's only eight hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think it's yeah a real market. If you all um, pitch in, it's gonna be real cheap and totally worth it. I know everyone <laughs> in the building would just have to give like two dollars. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> That's dope. So you did, you said you do, you're doing that for about a year? Yeah. And then continued to do those shows. Mm -hmm. I just was like, as an example, if I just got a lot of time right. my first year, which is really nice. What, um, were you in people's apartments or in common areas? or Common, mix? definitely okay. the common areas. But okay. then like sometimes it was just wild and there was like so much free alcohol. We would just get like trash with the residents and like mm -hmm. sometimes there'd be like an after party up in one of the residents' rooms and yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I picked up a few dates nice. at these apartments. So and they're all luxury apartments, so I knew I was getting, you know, yeah. a nice, <laughs> a nice date out of it. I did a rooftop show one time in Midtown and afterward, uh, some people who were like kind of our age-ish invited all the comics down to party afterward. Yeah. <laughs> and the people who invited us down worked in finance, and you can tell they were desperate to oh, just no. party with people. Yeah, that's so sad, but awesome. <laughs> it was like, cool, we'll hang out. That's yeah. chill. <laughs> yeah, no, it was so cool. One apartment was next to my apartment. It was like the fancier version of my apartment. Mm. And they really liked me. I did shows there like four or five times. And then they told me I could use their gym. So I just used this <laughs> nice apartment's gym. That was the best perk. That That's a great parking. perk. Across yeah. the street gym. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> so. Holy shit, that's dope. So how long um, how long were you in D.C. for doing stand-up? Uh, got confusing with the pandemic. Okay. Um, I guess like five or six years. Okay. Yeah. So like my... I moved to New York in like August 2021, I guess. Okay. But I was up in the Bronx. And so I wasn't... And it was the pandemic was still kind of happening. So there it was sort of hard to break in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of just like that first year I was in New York, went on the road a lot oh. and just tried to like headline out of town or mm -hmm. went back to DC a bunch. Nice. So I think a lot of people in DC didn't think I had moved <laughs> until like a year ago. <laughs> okay. So first um, question. Yeah. Where in the Bronx? I'm trying to I'm trying to solve the Bronx. I go every uh, once in okay. a while for work, and every spot I go to is so different because it's huge. Yes. So where in the Bronx were you? I was in Riverdale, which is near okay, Manhattan College. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Uh, Riverdale is like crazy because I remember being on this rooftop for work, looking around and just seeing like old like Victorian homes yes, around. Yes, it's. Like, what Beautiful. is this place? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, my brother owned the apartment I was renting. So nice. we were like living there. My partner at that time, we were living there for like cheaper. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. And the neighborhood. So there's a bunch of schools around like mm -hmm. families, like lovely. So that was a problem, too, is like, do I really want to get on the train for an hour and a half to do an open mic in Brooklyn? Or do I want to like stay in my lovely yeah. quaint town? Go on. I mean, at that point, it's like even getting to like. The village, I think, is probably like 40 minutes in the train. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty far. And that getting into Manhattan wasn't, I think I just didn't know much about 
um, New York comedy. And I mm-hmm. have friends here, but not a ton of friends. And you're not going to make uh, many in the Bronx in yes, Riverdale? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so like, I kind of didn't know that the comedy I wanted to be doing was in Brooklyn. Right, right. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm, it's pretty accessible to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't doing <laughs> you, much there. You made your New York move like the maximum difficulty setting. Exactly. You were like, what if yeah. I was nowhere near anything in a place that no one comes for anything? Right, ever? that I didn't want to leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, it was it was definitely a tough first year and then I think you also um did you start in New York? No, I started in Boulder, Colorado. Okay, gotcha. I think there's like this thing when you move that you want to be like doing something like you you feel the pressure of like okay mm. I left DC like now what yeah, yeah and yeah. so I had a lot of shame <laughs> that first year of like not really getting established here and oh. feeling even though no one gives a shit like mm. feeling self conscious that people would be like well. Camille left DC and now she's not doing yeah. anything. Even though like people didn't care or know. Or they like, you know what yeah. I mean? My one of my good friends told me that when he moved here, people in his home scene, someone was like, You're going to New York, man. What if you get seen too early? Oh, <laughs> we were laughing. God. It's like, yeah. what if I accidentally get famous faster than I wanted right, to? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like what a travesty. Yeah. But I I, I kind of get that. I think um the I moved here in 2019. So I came pre-pandemic. I was here for like seven or eight months before the pandemic. And it was so fucking hard Mm. to like meet people or do anything. I felt like because the scene was made of people who were all people who had moved there and had just stepped into this machine where people are like doing a mic, leaving immediately after a set, going another mic, not talking to anyone, not hanging out. And no one. It was hard to tell who was anybody or who had anything or did anything. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. So there was like trying to find an indie show to do or that existed or like how to get on a show was like, I couldn't even wrap my mind around it, you know? Right. Yeah. And then post pandemic, the comedy scene is like so much friendlier now. And there's so much more like grassroots type comedy stuff happening. Absolutely. Yeah. But when I moved, it was like, it was like, I'm going to figure this out. And I kind of fe- felt the pressure to figure things out. But then when I saw how how difficult it is, yeah. I was like, yeah. all right, we're just going to keep working on it. Exactly. <laughs> and then like I've reached that kind of mentality mm-hmm. this year. If it's like, oh, I'm making progress every week, like meeting new people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel OK about that. And yeah. also, you know, realizing that nobody cares. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's really interesting because I didn't really know this scene before the pandemic. Right. But I also saw that happen in D.C., mm-hmm. whereas like before the pandemic there's there's a lot of opportunity for good stage time in dc but there yeah. are a couple producers who have like a monopoly mm-hmm. on that stage time yeah and they try to see new people and like get new people in there but like they naturally became a little bit culty and you know yeah, like yeah. are booking the same people um because they're booking talented people and mm-hmm. the shows are doing well so like it it totally makes sense how that would happen but i think after the pandemic people had to kind of or during even come together and produce like weird outdoor shows. Mm-hmm. And so more people got seen. There was a lot more community around yeah. building new shows. And now like, yeah, it's yep. more of a. That's what happened in New York. Basically. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, we also have the effect of like uh, New York is like a transitory place for a lot of people in their life. And I, I might be one of those people who knows, but like, yeah. pe- like when the pandemic started, it was like, 
80% of the comedy scene evaporated. And so yes. you're left with just like a, like a pool of people and you were pretty familiar with all of them. And there was only like a couple spots to do every week. And right. so everyone would be at that mic and then that mic and then that mic or like these shows. And then everyone kind of met each other and then became really friendly. It was like, oh, like this is really chill. Actually, we all know each other. And then from that spawned like this, what it is now. Yes. Where a lot of people started um, after the vaccine came out. A lot of people started stand up after the vaccine came out. And I think, I don't know, people have talked about like the the stand up boom that's happening. And mm. I think part of it is one, TikTok, two, sure. like podcast culture. Like during the pandemic, people just chugging podcasts yeah. from like big comedians. And uh, I don't know, like, uh, everything just be everyone just being nicer and everyone so started nice. producing like indie shows and stuff. And like people also, I feel like a lot of people realized like, Oh, I'm not just trying to book people who are ahead of me. I should be booking my peers and people beneath me and investing in like what's actually around <laughs> me. You know? Yeah. No, not, I know not exactly beneath, what you but you know, yeah. It, newer people or people who yeah. like haven't yeah had as many opportunities. Yeah. And it's like as a producer, I mean, you produce, so it's like having produced shows in the past. Yeah. It's nice. To I always think it's nice to throw someone a bone because you can tell when someone is newer and they would really love some stage time. Yes, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. It really means or just someone who's like not even newer, but yeah, new to the scene. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah. yeah, I try. I have a lot of empathy for people who just like move. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I know because you go the, through that thing. Even if like you're coming from another city and you're good, like you really have to start over yep. <laughs> unless you're famous online. Like, yeah. you know, that it, helps. But it's yeah. uh, it's wild how much starting over happens and you meet people who are starting over who are like, I was the biggest comic in this city or I was doing amazing in this city. And now I come here and I'm like, open like biker. a nobody. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Not that I was doing amazing in D.C. or anything, yeah. but like you definitely like it's a small enough scene that pretty mm -hmm. much like, you know, everyone knows who you are if you're doing that. Like those shows I was talking about. Right. So, right. um. Yeah, it really felt like starting over. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe I'm paying five dollars to do three minutes. Like, yeah, that I mean, the paid mics too. I remember telling uh, people back home, I came here, and then I was like, you have to pay for every mic, and yeah. there are no audience members at the mics. It's just comedians. I know. And oh my god, it's so sad. <laughs> yeah, and like it was really sad at first, and now I'm like, oh, what a relief. Because I don't feel yeah. the pressure to do well in front of other comedians. It's also fun once you have a community because then it's like, I'm yeah. going to go here and like hang out with my friends. And if you bomb, it's like even funnier to exactly. your friends and stuff. <laughs> I'm still not doing a lot of those just because I find it really time. Just a little bit too long form, I think. Hmm. Um, and so I don't find them productive writing wise, even though I know for like community and networking, they're really good thing to do interesting so okay. i advise people to do that like when they move here i'm like you should go and i'm like i have gotten to so few mics <laughs> <laughs> truly but i think it is a really good thing to do i just like can't bring myself yeah, to do it that's fair um, yeah. i think um there when you start also there's the pressure to do a bunch of mics which yes. makes sense and i think anyone in the first two or three years should just be going hard at open mics yes yeah. but at a certain point you read like you learn enough about yourself and how to do stand up that you just kind of like cl it clicks and you're like oh as long as i get on stage this many times per week or in front of an audience this often mm -hmm. like i can make new stuff and i won't have to sweat doing yes. all the mics Absolutely. Like, I think you also get more confident with knowing 
yeah, what makes people laugh yeah. and like what works for you and, and I, slip it in. And yeah. you also, uh, for me, I am less scared to bomb a new joke in front of an audience because I'll just say something funny after and it'll yes. be okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there's a lot more, yeah, at a show that people have like paid to come to and are like, wanting to laugh mm -hmm. it's just such a different environment and it's like a real place that you can actually test jokes as opposed to yeah doing yeah. it in front of comics but yeah and the I, I will say that the that mics now like way better that the mics are always like 10 or 15 people at least out of the ones i go to yeah pre-pandemic i'd be on mics where i remember going 46 that pine box oh one time, my and god I was, yeah and i couldn't believe it and then uh, after a few weeks um, I started hanging with my my now wife Lee, and she yeah. was taking me to Creek in the Cave and stuff. I was like, "Oh, so this is normal? Like yeah. being on a list with fifty people is like the norm? That's crazy!" Right. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I know. So it's starting intense. to stand up in DC when you're doing your apartment tours. Um, <laughs> yes, my apartment tour. <laughs> what um, yeah. what what do you think you were really good at in comedy right away, and what do you think you were like you kind of had some challenges with? Oh, that's interesting. It's good at everything. No. You're good um, at everything, bad I, at nothing. <laughs> yeah. I think that I was very anxious, but I was really good at projecting mm. confidence. Interesting. Like, and I think that's because I obviously had a lot of TIG influence when mm -hmm. I started. And so I was doing something really dry. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're dry it's easier to have kind of a very even confident performance yeah. because you don't have anywhere where you're kind of like inflecting up and anticipating a laugh in the audience either like feels awkward because they're not mm. giving it to you. And I think when you're new and you don't get a laugh where you're expecting, it can feel a little, yeah, more, you know, unsettling. Mm -hmm. uh, but since I had such a kind of dry, even thing going um, and so slow, so slow. Like when I look at back at recording, I'm talking like maybe <laughs> nine words a minute. Like it's it's un no, not that slow, but it's unbearable to watch. Yeah, wow. Um, but yeah, I just kind of I think I projected a lot of confidence mm -hmm. and stage presence. Mm -hmm. Um, I also was like big at I would move around the stage a lot, probably too much. Yeah. I watched like the first hour I did and I'm literally like jogging. I probably ran like two miles in that set. <laughs> it, what's funny too, it's like when I started, you know, you see stand-up specials, right? Like Sebastian Maniscalco, oh right? Oh my gosh. He's running yeah. around. There's, oh, he's a favorite of mine as well. He's great. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> my parents, my mom loves him, but it's like, he's like a mom's comedian basically, you know? Yes, yeah, um, that's true. But like, like you see comics like that who are so active, you know, and then when you start out, you're like, that's OK. And actually, it's mostly not OK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Most, unless yeah. you're really unless you're you are intentionally doing it. It's not good because exactly, a lot of people yeah. do pace when they get nervous. And when that's the pacing true, starts, yeah. then the audience goes, oh, OK, it's falling apart. <laughs> yes. Um, But I think a little bit of movement was helpful to mm -hmm. me. And I also used to do this kind of like walking in a like kind of like a box, like stepping hmm. back and forth that I think worked into whatever the fuck persona I was doing at that time, which I, you know, can't label. <laughs> um, it was not really like my current personality. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that I wasn't as good as that I feel really good about in my mm -hmm. comedy lately mm. is that it was very far from my offstage personality. Right, right, right. Uh, and very far from my offstage humor as well. Mm -hmm. So 
I think it took me a long time. So this is going to sort of, I think, a related thing. Uh, but this is kind of like coinciding with me also like coming out. Okay. And uh, I had like long hair when I started mm-hmm. and was a bit more feminine. And then kind of had this thing that lesbians do where then I like cut my hair off as dressing very masculine. Uh, so there was kind of an, an internal identity shift going on. Yeah. And... Uh, comedy how I presented on stage was like very masculine Mm. and I kind of had to like over time meet myself yeah 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 come into myself as like an individual and then also as a comedian and meld those two so now I feel so much better about what I'm saying on stage and what I'm joking about right who I am there's kind of like a like a pendulum swinging too far one way and then coming back type of effect where it's like yeah you really overcompensate and then you kind of find yourself in the middle yeah and it it feels so much better to me I think some people are really successful with having a stage persona that's very different than who they are off stage but couldn't be me could not be me I mean (laughs) I think like you're do you feel like you're very different than you are on stage? No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was I was my gonna goal. say. I thought you were saying. Yeah. I feel like you're really similar, and I I like that, and I kind of gravitate toward mm-hmm. watching people like that. Um, and I think it is really successful for people, but it feels like inauthentic to me. And right. I don't feel like I can create genuine humor from a different place. Yeah. I really. I I agree, but I also really admire people who do character comedy or yes. do that type of stuff really well exactly so i'm yeah. like you're like a freak you're like sitting there developing you're developing thoughts and personas for like things that aren't you which yes. is wild <laughs> i have um a roommate who does really really different comedy mm-hmm. and like clowning um mm. like some stand-up but like more like clowning sketch improv stuff Mm -hmm. where yeah she just like becomes a different person my friend jill o'connell she really becomes like a such a different person but it's so funny and Mm -hmm. so like intentionally awkward but like almost seems like she could be serious like i don't know i am very impressed with people who can do that Mm -hmm. but i can't create humor from that place so (laughs) i'm stuck with just being myself (laughs) i'm like i'm very like when i did improv i only took one ucb class and i was like i'm playing myself as different in different situations yeah. every single time. <laughs> right. And my my friends, Matt and Jack, who do like amazing character comedy, they were like, hey, do you want to do a show with us where you interview characters? You just have to be yourself. And I was like, hell Done. yeah. Perfect. Sold. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. Well, that's okay. Like Tig plays herself in every movie, I feel like. And yeah. People do. It's, I don't know. It's like, um, I think I'm trying to uh, tone it down a little bit. I've talked about this before on this podcast, but it feels yeah. like, in my journey to make my onstage persona, my offstage persona, my jokes have gotten really loose. Yeah. And so I'm trying to tighten things up a little bit and write tighter material. But the problem is I also don't know where to go after material is too tight in a way. I know what you mean. Yeah. Like how do you then relax or like transition back into interaction? Yeah. And yeah. Like I got this new joke that's like uh, I get my wife a coffee. I go to the barista and I say like, um, can I get a large black cold brew no milk no sugar and she goes 
the sugar is over there. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck where your sugar is. Just make sure right. it doesn't end up in the coffee. Yeah. And usually when I do it on stage, it gets a big laugh. But then I'm like, okay, that was a great, really short joke. But like, yeah, now what? What, what <laughs> yeah. now? You know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. All right, back to crowd work. Do we, yeah, yeah. Do we expand on that? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I definitely know what you mean. And if you're listening at home, you're like, oh, it's because he hasn't sat down and write, write, written anything. And I know, okay, but I write on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I Do you feel like improv was helpful to you at all, like as a performer? Um, no. Okay. I will say, uh, I'd say 100% no. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's different. Um, I... I really loved my time in improv class. I met a couple of really great friends who mm -hmm. I've kept this whole time in New York. Uh, so I say if you're like comedy or comedy adjacent and you move to the city and you want to make friends, improv 101 is your fast pass to yeah, make friends. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it was nice kind of seeing what the other side was because stand-ups always roast improv. For sure. Um, and I think, but also... When I was back starting in Colorado, people would shit on improv, but yeah. there wasn't a lot of it. And then I came here and then you realize that a lot of stand-ups have either come from improv or given it a shot. So there's less of a rivalry and more of a, it's a different thing. You should take a look. Yes. You know? And I'm so impressed with people who are good at improv. Like the best, the like, I think for me, the best improv show mm -hmm is better for me than the best stand-up show. Mm -hmm. But the worst improv show is so much worse than so the much worst stand-up yeah. show. So it's kind of like hit or miss. Like if you want a middle of the park, you know, good experience, yeah. go to a stand-up show. And I, yeah. I will also, Missed I also think that uh, one of the reasons that I've heard this is because in improv, it's happening there in real time and everyone feels like they're in on the joke, yes. which makes the audience love it. So if it hits, it really hits. I think stand up is just taking that away from them now with like all the crowd work <laughs> stuff. Like, yeah, that's hey guys, so true. what if every single set was different every time? Okay, that's ours now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that is a really good point. I remember yeah. I went to uh, Connor, who's my studio co owner. He was in UCB 101 at the same time as me. And you had to go to two class shows, you had to go to two shows to like pass the class. It okay. was free. We went to a show, and I remember the, the team gets on stage. And they do the word association thing oh, no. where they stand in a group and they do a word and they all say words that they associate and then make scenes based on that. And I remember I was so confused because we hadn't heard about that in class. And I yeah. was like, I leaned over. I was like, is this supposed to be funny? Right. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, like what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. But it's also I think it's a great thing for people who have a very specific energy. Like do you, I remember there's a... um. The, okay, there was like a tweet or a video I saw years ago. Do you know like uh, like Caucasian dancing, like from the Caucasus Mountains, where they do a lot of stomping and jumping and like this? I don't. All right, <laughs> like uh, or you know like the Russian Cossack dancing. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Someone made like sure. a video of like that type of dance, like a bunch of people like doing that and jumping out on stage, and they're like every improv team entering the stage. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It's like. That's what it is. Is like improv is for people who are just like, who are like big actors who have big personalities who want to like, who really want to like, God, like go crazy. Yeah. You know, I don't, I feel like it. It is also in a way removed from who you are as a person in a way that like stand up isn't. 
I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, you, yeah, I guess you can create a persona like in stand-up that isn't you, but mm-hmm. the majority of people I think are like really, yeah, drawing from their own lives. Did you do improv? I, I did. I've done improvisation things like okay. improvised stand-up or like improvised presentations, et cetera. I did one improv show where a friend of mine had part, do you know the game set? Yes. The pattern finding Love game. Set. I feel like maybe not all your listeners do. It's kind of like a niche. Get. Not everyone knows it. Two engineers love a pattern recognition game. Yeah, Imagine yeah. that. Um, shocking. <laughs> but yeah, so I found out that this other comedian really loves set and she had reached out to this local game store mm-hmm. to ask if we could have like a set themed comedy show because the makers of set were releasing a new game a new pattern finding okay uh and i don't know what it was anyway so for the launch night of that two other comedians and i went to this game store and would have we taught people how to play set Mm -hmm. and then the winners of set would get to give us improv scene um like categories so like they would each say a word and then we would do an improvised scene mm-hmm. but it was so bad because only one of us had improv experience the other person was is so funny really funny person but like me was kind of like drier and just playing themselves yeah, yeah, yeah and so and and we're just like in three different places in the back room of this game shop yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and it was terrible <laughs> as you can imagine <laughs> i'm also like you teach people to play set there's a set like a release event that sounds dope if you win, you tell these people to do a funny th- like I'm like <laughs> the yeah, concept no, like, isn't quite plugged yeah. together. <laughs> yeah, it didn't go well, and also like there were children there mm. and families. Yeah, so it's like who are we doing this comedy for? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we could have just had a stand-up show and then taught people to play set, mm-hmm. or we could have just taught people to play set. Yeah, there's a there lot was, of things there. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of options that weren't what we chose. I'm uh, I talked about this before, but I I. Every week on Mondays, I play a uh, like a tabletop war game. Like I'm a board gamer type person, and I think whoever is the first person to make a purely Dungeons and Dragons character stand up show oh. wins. I think whoever it does that, you. I'm not gonna do it. I'm, I feel like it's one of those ideas I want to hand to someone and like okay. let them run with it. But like, there are like game shops and like is like it's like such an untapped live experience culture where like we have like we have video game culture right we all know streamers and shit but like there are people who every week are showing up to the same shop to play magic the gathering or DD with their buddies and stuff like that and those shops often have like drinks and food and shit and you could easily like put together a a stand-up show that draws a great audience that people would pay tickets to see and it would be in their hobby niche i know yeah i tried to do a show at a game show, but I don't, it wasn't like a targeted event. Yeah, so yeah. I think they were like, we don't want to do it. You yeah. Know? Um, but it is, you should, you should do it. Or you should get someone who's really eager to start something. You should mm. give them the idea and then you should just go do time. Yeah. That's a great yeah, idea. Yeah. Every week. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I will not be producing any shows anytime soon. Okay. I, I'm just not a fan. I'm a, like, I did a weekly show for a whole year. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of lessons learned that made it a sure. bad show. And but it was fun. And me and my co-host basically used that 
year to get good at crowd work every week because yeah, there's like yeah. four people in a small sure, room yeah. and you're like Been what's there. going on <laughs> we were there uh yeah two nights ago yeah like yeah when, yeah you're like i'm so sorry there's not a lot of people here i'm like dude this is great there are yeah. people here and it's, i got a free hamburger <laughs> that's true people are really motivated by the free bar tab it's a very nice the bar is really generous to us they let me store my stuff there and it's a cool space. And probably every third week, we randomly get like 15, 20 people. That's great. So but, you just got to be lucky. But also it's like if you're with a venue that is supportive of what you do, you're right. kind of already winning the battle of like making a good show. Like, That's true. Yeah. The venue that I did my show at was truly like, hey, can we do a stand up show here on Tuesdays at like eight? And they were like, I Yeah. Like, OK. They're like, All right, we don't we're not we're going to take donations, but you guys can keep all whatever you make from the bar and stuff. And they're like, all right, just totally yeah. separate. But the, <laughs> you guys, if you walked into that venue, you could look in the back and go, Oh my God, there's a comedy show happening here. Right. Ours. You walk to the back of the bar, go upstairs, and then you have to turn 180 degrees from the top to oh see the, the show room. Yeah. So we did not get a lot of walk-ins. We would bark for like an hour before the show. Sometimes major hits. A lot of times, total miss. Oh, I know. Oh my gosh, it's so funny because before I moved here, I like never had to like bark or flyer, or, like work <laughs> door or anything yeah. like that. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I have to do that. Now. It's fun. It's yeah. good. I think I recommend if you're gonna bark, bark with a partner. Yes, it's then much you can, more fun. And then you can joke with each other and make riffs with people and stuff. Yeah, I'm not much of a riffer. Mm. I think that's why it was also interesting that I was like, I should do stand up because like I don't think. Many people find me funny conversationally. Like, I think I'm a decent storyteller, mm. but like, I'm never trying to be funny. Mm. Yeah. Like, Interesting. in a in a ring of people, I'm not trying to like tell the joke. Yeah, you should quit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Your, I'm your... saying that really judgmentally. No, but... because there's a riff culture, but I yeah. think it's a I think it's a good thing. I think yeah. there's also when you talk to comics, they'll be like, I'm so sick of everyone being on all the time. Like I know. if you go to a comic party. Oh yeah. I, like... I just don't go to those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like finding friends in comedy. I'm never really in comedy like groups of mm. people. Like I like taking someone on the road and becoming like close with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then being friend. Like I think I'm a friendly person, but I'm not super social. Okay. That makes sense though. Yeah. I think um I have like been in I'm in like a couple like smaller like groups, but not super tight. Like I have individual friendships with everyone, but they kind of are that way with everyone else. It's kind of a mesh yeah. network. But like I think over time. I've become like at first I was like, I need to find a click and get in with some friends and have like a crew and we can like make something over time. I'm like, oh, it's actually more important to have individual like true friendships with people in comedy. Right. Because those are the people who are going to help you out. Whereas like a lot of groups are so nebulous and large and like, I don't know. No, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I had that similar thing of like, especially when I moved here. Also, I was just trying to like blindly grow my network and yeah. then it's kind of like i more leaned into the few friendships i had here and i had friends here who would like already running good shows so mm -hmm. like i reached out about that and then obviously you try to like return the favor yeah um and then yeah just mm -hmm. like it, it's people who will like help you out and also like it's really nice to go out and know a bunch of people mm -hmm. and be like hey what's up how's it going um but it's also like so fun when you go out and you go to a show and you weren't expected to see like your really good friend. And you're mm. like, now I'm just like on a friend yeah, date yeah, yeah. hanging out. So, 
Yeah, I feel like uh, during the pandemic, me and Lee got to know too many people because we ran like a really mm. successful like outdoor mic during that time. So like when we do go to events, I am I do the Midwest hello and Midwest goodbye kind yes. of like where I I go in and I will say hi to every single person I know oh, and give so them nice. a little bit of yeah. time. And then when I leave, I guess this is weird. I will say goodbye to everybody that I talked to. I don't necessarily <laughs> think that's weird. I don't think it's expected. Yeah. And I have a obviously different strategy, mm. um, which is like I feel really awkward even if I know everyone and I go <laughs> immediately to the corner and take out my little notebook and get my one drink and start mm. writing. That is weird. And then, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and then if someone and then as people approach me and say hi, then I feel more like comfortable. Gotcha. And then I'll talk to them. And wait, no, I do do that. I do say goodbye to everyone I talk to. Yeah, also, yeah. I usually say goodbye, like at least like go thank the producer, yes. the host, and yeah. Totally. I think that's standard, right? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine if the norm was to not thank the producer or the host. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, you just leave. I remember people who didn't say thank you or like show any appreciation for shows I booked them on. And I fucking, I'm like. Mm. You know what? That's true. Like when someone just goes off and they like hang out and then they leave without saying anything. Yeah. Um, yes. Definitely I'm remember like, those people. I'm not I'm not holding on to that salt, but I know it's there. Yeah, yeah. And have you ever had this happen? I would uh when I had my weekly show, there was comedians who would show up who I've never met before. Yeah. While we're setting up and they'd be like, Oh my god, this is your show? And I'd be like, hey, and then say their name, shake my hand, they'd be like, I'd love to do your show sometime. And I was like, Yeah, hang out, chill, we'll, we'll get you up sometime. They would just leave and then they would I would never see them again. Yeah. I was like, sorry, I forgot your name, who you are. I don't give a fuck. Like if right, you're not you, here. Yeah, you like, come and support the show. Then what does yeah. it matter that you came to say hello? Yeah, like, like what are you doing? Yeah. That's really and people are desperate. Oh, I just I'm gonna take time out of my schedule to take the train over here to pop in and say hi to someone I don't know and then ask yeah. for something from them and then I definitely appreciate like if someone comes to the show and watches the whole show and like laughs and stuff, I'm like, of course, I'll book you. Like, yeah. Even if you're not funny. That was like our that was all of our lineups when we were doing our show for a while. It's just like, all right, here's the first one. Here's our friends. And then we have more friends show up and be like, OK, uh, the, yeah, those yeah, ones like, next thanks time. Coming. You, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Do you like being a show producer? Uh, sometimes. Yeah, I well, like being able to offer people time i think mm -hmm. it's like much more so than in smaller scenes yeah it's really nice to be able to like meet someone and like help them out and yeah they can help you out etc uh not that it's all transactional to me but it is just nice to have yeah. something or when people visit the city to be like oh i know i can get you up in this place yes um because otherwise it's difficult like to get people up in other places because you're working hard to get in those places yourself. I'm like, I'm yeah. so sorry, but <laughs> they're I, not going to care that I recommended you. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I, even like I've had friends, I have friends who produce shows and I like when I, if I don't produce anything and someone's like, hey, I'm kind of the city. Do you have anything? I'm like, and I have to, I ask a friend, I'm like, Hey, I'm so sorry, yeah. but like I got a friend to go to the city. Would they be? They're good. I promise. Could you put them I up? <laughs> I know, and it's like, God, yeah. I really want to help people when they visit. Yeah. I just feel like I don't have as much power right. as like people assume yeah. that you have. Like, because in other cities that are smaller, like I think it's yeah easier to get people up or last minute get people up because like people will message me 
on Monday, like, oh, I'm going to be in town this weekend. Can you get me on something? And I'm yeah. like, well, I'm not booked on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So yeah. probably not. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's also, I feel like it's easier to get booked as an out of towner sometimes on just yeah. random shows. Like, people are kind of aware of who's in the city and like getting cold DM'd from someone. You're like, oh, well, if you're not here, like, I'm not kind of, but if it's like someone right. out of town, you're like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, come through. <laughs> I feel like. The Tiny Cupboard is really good about that because yeah. I had visited once um, and I had asked for time or something mm -hmm. and then like another time I, yeah, they're just like really open to putting up new people and out of town people, I feel like, mm -hmm. giving people opportunities. Yeah. It's a plug for the Tiny Cupboard. The best. The yeah. Best and Liquid they're Death. Awesome. And Liquid <laughs> Death, yeah. Yes. <laughs> By proxy. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the first show you ever produced? Did you do any back in DC? I just would produce hours for myself. Really? Yeah. What? Like, I mean, my own hour. Wow. Yeah. So I did an hour. I mean, they weren't good, I'm sure. But I wrote an hour every year and I produced that in DC. And then I do it maybe like a couple other places. That's insane. Yeah. Writing an hour every year? Yeah. I still, yeah, I've written an hour this year. So I'm looking for somewhere to do it. Wow. I mean, I'm not saying it's good. I have this problem where like, I don't edit a lot. Okay. I write something. I really like how it works the first mm. time. And also, I think in a lot of ways, it's easier to put together an hour than it is a 10-minute set. Interesting. Uh, because you kind of... It, it's just easier. It's more creatively inspiring to me because you're... I'm, I usually either build it around like one story or one theme or mm. like call back like certain concepts. So it's kind of like, okay, I have these four or five stories that have that I've written this year that I really like and work well and then writing the transitions and fitting them into an hour I do all that other stuff for the first time the first time I do the hour wow. like I don't test that stuff that's really impressive actually I don't know you haven't seen the hours yeah I haven't seen the hours <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, yeah. you just made me realize like what do I appreciate about like stand up and like the length I do it. And I'm like, I like fighting for my life up there. Yeah. There <laughs> I'm excited you go. with rolling through the, like the punches. I like planning something like that. Like it like doesn't excite me at all. But it's like really interesting. So yeah. It like, really is the only time like that's when I write the most is I'm like, fuck, I have to do this new hour in a month. So I should so I was like, going to ask, like, with your writing process, you mentioned, like, not being able to really do long form projects and struggling with that. Do you write these hours in, like, hyper fixation modes? Like, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. putting it together, the final yeah. pieces. Like, I'll have, I remember I was the most organized for my, so I did an hour one year mm -hmm. into stand up, which is crazy. And Wild. that was like, I was pulling just almost every bit I'd ever written. So I had kind of a loose theme and the transition ideas I wanted to put in there. And I had this binder and I had it like highlighted, like things I wanted to pull and bit ideas and set orders. Like it was really organized and I scrapped together an hour of time. Wow. Um, and that I worked probably like two, three months on. But after that, I would, I write new stuff all the time. Like I do new stuff every week pretty mm. much just because stand-up gets so boring to me. like I totally if, agree. <laughs> if I do the same, oh my gosh, it drives me insane. Like I've kind of been, there's like 30 minutes I've been kind of doing the last like two months and mm -hmm. working out different and I'm so sick of everything I'm saying. Like it's, <laughs> it's terrible. Um, the best for me is when yeah. something crazy happened to me that day and then I yes. can be like, nice, I don't have to do any of my other shit. Exactly. And like, oh, if yeah. I have days where I show up, like even the tiny cover, I'll show up and like sometimes it'll be like, 
uh oh, I don't have anything I'm really going to talk about. All right, I'm going to just, I guess, pull out old jokes. And yes, yeah. And I'm like, I hope crowd work pulls me out of this so I don't have to do any of these. I know, yeah. It's just like, I can hear myself when I've said something too many times yes. and when I'm not like augmenting it. There's also jokes that I have where I do crowd work within them. Like, I. Mm -hmm not set crowd work, obviously, but set questions that I ask that I know right. are going to open up interesting things. And that keeps the joke interesting to me. Yeah. But oh, for the most part, I hate doing that. Anyway, so yeah, I would say the majority is like I'm working on some longer stories that mm -hmm. I like throughout the year and then probably, yeah, in hyperfixation mode, like putting them <laughs> into an hour. Have you ever done like yeah. the moth? No. Okay. Yeah. Because like... If you're le naturally leaning towards writing hours, like yeah. storytelling stuff might be a good thing to check out too. That is so true. And I actually, yeah, I should definitely check that out because I am interested in storytelling. I'm working very loosely, starting to work on a one woman show. Mm -hmm. And I'm searching. As if you haven't just written a bunch of those already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They are. But I usually have like an opener. But this I want to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And I want it to be more storytelling than stand up. Okay. Still intending to be humorous. Gotcha. Uh, but with more of an, a little more intense theme as, mm -hmm. you know, one woman shows and a little bit of music and a little bit of multimedia. Mm. So I have a lot of like loose ideas for it basically, but I need like the deadline of the venue and like, interesting. Okay. you know, I've started to promote for it. So I'm like, ah, oh, I got to do it. <laughs> I shouldn't put this out here as I've yeah. been contacting venues being like, nothing's ready. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Cause it's not like that. Like there's, there, it's just really like, it's just you need here. a little it's pressure. It's not anywhere. It's here. not. Yeah. And I don't ever write anything down. Like when I write, I just like I'm walking around and then I write like a bullet about it. And so you're, and that's how you do hour when you do an hour. You're yeah, just like, like thinking at the about end, it. before I do the hour, I have like 12 bullet points. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. Wow. Yeah. Cause it's all like, it's, it's easy to memorize because like it's all transitioned. Right. Like, so it's different. I think like the first hour I did, I brought up a sheet because mm. I was like, Okay, they, they were all more desperate bits. So I was like, mm. I need this reference. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah. um, I use like a memorization like technique for like jokes in like a order. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's like um, if you need to remember, this works for any type of list. Um, if you need to remember like apple, orange, banana, right? Okay. What you do in your mind is you... Like imagine the first thing and the second thing interacting, right? Oh, so like if you're doing apple, orange, banana, you could imagine comparing apples and oranges like on a scale, right? Yeah. And then you would next compare orange and banana and you could imagine throwing them into like a smoothie together. And then you like when you do that for every item. Yeah. Then you can do the list forward and backward because you're associating them with movement, which is like oh. how the brain works, basically. So all my jokes, when I do set lists similar, I do like a bunch of bullet points. Okay. And then I remember an object from that joke interacting with like the next joke. So wow. when I do my joke about like getting married, I imagine like us getting married in the courthouse. And then I have a joke after that sometimes where I talk about how I take more photos of her than she takes of me. Yeah. And then I imagine like someone standing there holding a phone, taking a picture of that moment. Oh, and then God. if I go from there to like, I have this one that I do sometimes, but it's like, um, like, uh, 
I love having a girl. I love being married. Women are the best. Women are just like weighted blankets with bad attitudes. And like, and then again, like it might be a little misogynistic, but they do be frowning though. And usually that joke yeah, crushes. But yeah. if I do that joke too, then I'll imagine like my wife, like sitting with a weighted blanket on her phone. And the phone is the joke before that, which is taking a photo oh. of the joke before that. My God, this sounds like more mental work to me than just it, the transition, but it's very interesting. I, yeah, that was, that was easier for me to understand. Cause I was, I was confused with the fruit example because I was like, mm -hmm. I can kind of see that, but I don't see how it would be helpful. Yeah. So it's like, it, it feels like a lot of work to set it up, but yeah. once you set it up, it's really just like ground into you. Okay. Like I, I'm getting rid of this joke. But I got a joke about running the air conditioner too much. And I got a joke about like confronting a dude for charging me $8 for a water. So yeah. I imagine the air conditioner blowing on $8 and like, then you just like pass it down. Like, yeah. so that's probably like, our, I just imagine our brains are just laid out very differently that that would be like effective. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, um, it's interesting as it's, yeah, it seems like a very analytical yeah. Approach. If I was going to write like right an hour. Brain, left brain. I don't know. <laughs> if I was going to write an hour, it would be like, okay, I have a, I have this many sections and yeah. each of them are a shape. So I'd probably increase in the number of sides. Probably start with the circle section, the triangle, the square, the pentagon, the hexagon. Oh and then God. from there, I'd probably be like, okay, the circle is the, this theme and then break it out into sub lists from yeah. there or like colors, you know, <sighs> but it's all like. The more associations you can build with each piece, the more likely you are to remember like a large order. Yeah, that is so true. I don't I don't know why I don't struggle with like, yeah, remembering, but I probably am forming those types of associations, but mm -hmm. like less formally, less abstracted. Yeah. Like because you're like imprinting a separate scaffolding yeah. upon your writing, Basically. whereas like I'm just probably doing that internally yeah, yeah, yeah with like yeah different associations it's also i think there's like your biomechanical or engineer right biomedical yeah biomedical yeah. that was that was another m uh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like the you you know this is like there's a difference between physics and chemistry mm -hmm. and like that that difference is are you solving or are you mm -hmm. memorizing right and yeah. it was um it was uh i think not not reman uh was it Rutherford, the guy who invented the atom model? He, oh, yeah. He basically he said um, that uh, all science is either physics or it's stamp collecting. Mm. And because physics is like from this thing and this thing, we can see how they interact. We can generate the next thing. We can define right. a second. We can define a meter. Now we can define velocity. Right. But on the other side, like the stamp collecting, so biology, chemistry, a lot of these other fields, what they are is looking at things in the natural world, categorizing them, and mm. then observing the patterns from them. And so it's in I always thought it was interesting when I was in school and I would meet people who are in anatomy or like biology and they really loved it. Yeah. Cause I'm like, you're just remembering like a bunch of yeah, stuff. Like yeah. I don't have to remember anything because anything I don't remember, I can then you can like rebuild. Yeah, I can yeah. rebuild it, which is I don't know. So that is really interesting. I know I really did look down upon memorization sciences, but yeah. I, I shouldn't. Yeah. And then I didn't do as well in them because yeah. I like couldn't get myself interested. I think I got a B plus in bio too, which is not a hard class. It's pretty good. Did um, you do OCHEM? 
I did. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I have did. to. <laughs> I was oh so my happy. gosh. I wouldn't have had to, but I was electively pre med as well. Mm. So I had to take one and two. <laughs> and it was bad. I think I got, I don't need to share my college grades here, but yeah. I did well in Oregon one. And then Oregon two, I probably, I think I got like a C mm. plus. Like I, I was just like, because it was all memorization of like different synthesis so and stuff. And like, just couldn't get interested at all. Yeah. And the naming conventions for everything. Oh my gosh. Makes me yeah. so mad. So like I looked down on those sciences too. Yeah. Because I was like, yeah. if you need to know it, open a book. Right. Like, right. Yeah. But it was probably just because I was jealous because I was uninterested in memorizing <laughs> them and then didn't do as well. So I was not jealous at all. People okay. were like, like when you tell someone you're an electrical engineer, they're like, oh my God, I could never. And right. Like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. We know where we stand. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> People are automatically impressed. That you did engineering regardless. Yeah. And yeah. like the engineers, like that, like chemical and electrical were the two that people were like, you have to wow. love it if you're yeah. going to do it because otherwise it's torture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I actually thought it was like the most interesting thing you can do though, because I yeah. loved, yeah, math and physics. So I, I just, guess we're alone in that. I wanted to know why everything worked the way it does in our world. And I was like, okay, like I have no idea how electricity works. I have no idea how like, like, I mean, I can figure out why most mechanical machines work. It's sure, very simple. Yeah. But like, what the hell is electricity about? Like, why do phones work? All this stuff. Yeah. And then when I took electrical engineering, I was like, oh, now I know. Now I know it all. We're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I can stop bothering myself. I know, like, I feel like enough that I understand, like, the basis of everything. I also like knowing enough that I understand how complicated something is. Yes. Like, knowing yeah. enough that you understand how much you don't know. Yeah. And... Because like sometimes when you're talking to people, they're like, like, why can't you just do this? Or like what, you know, but mm -hmm. you can be like, I understand how complex yeah. this problem is. You can really appreciate how much detail oriented work went into so many of the things we take for granted that we use yeah, every day, you know, for sure. Um, I also think it gives you like a different perspective on machine learning and AI stuff. Mm -hmm. Those are different, but just understanding that problem and understanding the power of it i feel like in understanding mm -hmm. the creation and construction that i think yeah i think just yeah. having that kind of background gives you a different perspective on totally it. and i mm -hmm. think a lot of people who are afraid of it like the reason i'm afraid of ai is because we already are not treating our workers well <laughs> yeah yeah of course. we are also yeah. destroy we are already destroying the middle class you don't need to destroy more chunks of it but like when people are like the AI is going to take over, it's like, well, not unless you put AI in something that has a gun on it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to be afraid of something unless we put it in something to be afraid of. Right. Yeah. And the career, I mean, and then it obviously intersects with stand up. And like, mm -hmm. oh, we don't need to get into that. But yeah, it's just interesting the way some people talk about it. And like, I don't think you understand. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think you get it. Um, yeah. So you're sorry, we got off track here, but writing oh, hours, yeah. um, writing oh, a yes. one woman show. What? Why? Why is it different for you to write an hour than a one woman show? Why? Why do you feel like you want to try? Is it just like you want to try something different, or what's the deal? Actually, I, for several years, also I called my hour one woman show with one other woman on it. So mm. it's like great name. It's thank you. Um, so I think it's maybe a branding thing mm. of saying it's distinctly different from stand up, and it's also kind of like. Exploring a little outside of the 
bounds of stand-up. So not necessarily being required to be funny all the time. Yeah, maybe like there there can be a slightly more serious tone, mm-hmm. but also I I think I'm I'm I don't know if this is true, but I think my stage persona is pretty similar to my actual persona. Mm-hmm. If not a little bit more emotionally disconnected. Yeah. I think off stage I'm a little more empathetic and seem less de- maybe even less depressed. I don't know. We'll see. But Yeah, it's a vibe. I'd yeah. say on stage <laughs> on stage you 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 give off more a bit more of an awkward presentation. Yeah. But you can tell it's kind of like it's just how you're doing it. It's how yeah, exactly. So it's it's like it's authentic, but it's still there's a still a little bit of separation. Mm-hmm. I want to do a show where I don't have to be within there's something really specific about when you step onto a stand-up stage and how you're expected to interact mm-hmm. and what you're expected to talk about. And I want to just step outside of that and incorporate like some music and some other elements that makes it feel like less expected. I think Mm. when I normally do an hour, what I struggle with is sometimes the energy arc of it Mm -hmm. Um, because I tend to be like a pretty even performer and I don't always know where to bring people all the way up and down. Like an hour is a long time to Mm. hold people's attention. Yeah, Uh, And I usually hold people's attention by doing a lot of crowd work at the beginning as well and then like calling that back within all of my jokes. Mm. So I'm interested in incorporating other elements just into an hour that I write that are actually like internally intending to like and have an upward inflection. Interesting. Yeah, I like that a lot. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like I think like the best stand-up specials are something with like big emotional arcs where you can see like, okay, we're winding up, we're going up to something, we're going down, we're going back up versus like something that's just kind of like this, like up and down, like bit, bit, bit. Yeah. Yeah. For an hour. (laughs) Yeah. And I, yeah, definitely haven't mastered that. So I'm just kind of like interested. And I did also like to uh, like kind of fulfill some promises to myself that I had before doing Santa, Mm. which is like, I want to write books, write books. I want to like, I don't know. I want to like teach writing. I want to do so. I want to do like different stuff outside of stand up. So I'm trying to diversify my portfolio a little bit and just explore a little in comedy. Because the last whatever six seven years, I've just been like stand up. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you could write a book, would you write a book about? (sighs) It would probably be like a really self centered memoir of sorts. (laughs) (laughs) Some some short essays, Mm. bit angsty. Nice. I mean, like. Like I love Sedaris. Like I'd love to he write rules. something. Oh my god! We yeah. used to. My mom used to listen to him in the car when you drive places. Yeah, he's awesome. Oh my gosh, so awesome! <laughs> and just being able, I'm nowhere near like that type of essay writer. But just he's so effortlessly is so funny and insightful and observational. Um, and just the yeah. also coupled like his writing is amazing, but also. I remember listening to the audiobook because he would read his own audiobook. And oh, he has this, I haven't listened. He has yeah. like this weird, funny voice that oh makes it so much better. <laughs> oh, damn. I got it. Yeah. I also, I mean, I love writing poetry. Mm-hmm. I actually got my MFA in poetry over really? the pandemic online. Interesting. Yeah. So I have a little thesis. I've been like <laughs> trying to maybe publish, but no one cares about poetry. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So maybe yeah, short essays or poetry. Nice. Yeah. Cool. It's really interesting because like um, I find myself like I love comedy and I love the universe of comedy. I'm 
I feel like I'm a very earnest person. So I understand like wanting to do those other things where like comedy is a performance of like, like one side of you at the end of the day. Like you can incorporate other emotions, but like gotta be funny, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's so true. But those other things like you can create, just be like, I'm going to bring other parts of myself and express it. You know, that is a much better way of phrasing it than I just did, because that that well, that is the thing with stand up is like people are expecting you to be funny. Mm -hmm. There are people who are like try to make it a really deep experience, but it still has to like come back. You're always anticipating them making light of the thing they were just trying to talk about really seriously. And the people I will say anyone at our level who actually does a stand up joke and it has an earnest message. Yeah, it works. I am so impressed. I'm like, you struck gold. Like, how did you even do that? Right. Like- <laughs> yeah. Where it's like you care about something in it. Yeah. Because yeah, everyone is like, yeah. So my parents got divorced this year. Sucks. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, no claps for that. No claps. Yeah. What the yeah. Hell? Yeah. Usually people clap. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. Yeah. It's it's difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember <laughs> I talked about this. Like I talked about this in my other podcast like the other day, but my um. My mom is always like, man, I'm always worried that you're going to write jokes about like what I put you guys through when you were younger and all the hard times we had. And I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely really not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, actually, there's nothing funny about that. There's a lot of earnest, good stuff, but none of it is hilarious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've been exploring the last couple of years. I've been doing a lot more family stuff, mm. but I don't have anything too negative to say about my family. I think it's yeah. like people love when you focus on. I think another big theme my comedy is just being like really neurotic. Mm, yeah, and yeah, yeah. so like people love family neuroses stories yes. I found. So there's so much to draw from the neurotic stuff that like you don't need to draw from the trauma. Right. Unless right. you want to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I have no idea how to talk about my family stuff. And yeah. Because we all get along really well. Same so here. it's like. Yeah. We're all best friends. <laughs> and it, it's it's like. It's so, this is going to sound so stupid, but when I see comics who have some weird family shit going on, yeah. sometimes I'm like, man, they're lucky. They got like a, they're yeah, going to write yeah, jokes about it. cool <laughs> angle. Yeah, I know. It's like, would I trade my stable, happy, chill family for like a crazy family so I could be funnier? Yeah. I'm like, absolutely not. What am I thinking? <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely get that. We all have that feeling. I'm like, yeah, yeah I wish that happened to me. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got um, so many tags for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's like, I don't know. I feel like um, when people also have things about them that they I struggle talking about myself, except for the emotions I feel about things that have happened to me this week. Yeah, basically. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. It needs to be fresh. It needs to be fresh. Like I can tell some stories about things that are not as fresh and I can work up the emotion for them. But like talking about like I come from this weird place or my family does this weird thing or I'm like in this weird community like I have none of that I'm like I just yeah. feel like I'm like I don't even know how to approach those things I'm like we're going silly that's yeah it. <laughs> yeah I know because if you don't go silly I like going silly where it it kind of calls in those things mm-hmm. so I I do have jokes where I just say like who hears you know religious trauma like I have yeah. like a series of jokes that I start with like talking about that which is like really common Mm -hmm. transition but I really it's my preference that I'm telling kind of a silly story really accessible story that pulls in like and then I uh, like reference those things I think is ultimately 
or for me feels more skillful and yeah. like more surprising and funny mm, okay. than being explicit about the trauma you're talking about. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just the way my I do my comedy. It's better if I don't just be like, now we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah. There was one time I did a show, um, Anya Jones, former guest. Uh, she had this show where, called Live and Unqualified where two comedians would come up you would each do five. Yeah. And then she would interview you for like 20 minutes afterward about like a turning point in your life. And I did mine. I talked about my trauma and two people cried. And I was like, this is never going to be a joke. Like, yeah, this is yeah, not, like, we are not can, doing actually. this. Like, people cry. Yeah. Are I was you like, okay? yeah, I'm fine. I'm oh, totally okay, okay, cool. cool. It's like, but it was one of those things where it's like, we all got through it and like, we're all good. But it was like, this is not funny. Like, yeah. there's no way I'll ever be writing jokes about this because, like, I'm I just don't want to. Like, we're here to have fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, I mean, one of them was my wife, so she. But it one, one okay. was a stranger. Oh so. my gosh, a stranger <laughs> and your wife. That's really sweet and sad. Yeah, it's like, yeah. So I think there is like, I also think there is merit in exploring earnest things with yes. people. And I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like. Uh, group dynamics is what I call them, right? I notice one-on-one with people, I'm very, I'm extremely earnest with them. Like, mm-hmm. I'm very, like, I don't try to be too funny and I'm like, like, I actually get to know them. Once we're at three people, we're trying, the wheels yeah. are off. Like, yeah. we can be earnest, but we, now we have, we have three factors that we can combine elements and riff on. Mm, Done, yeah, you yeah, know? we're doing a bit. I, I like being in a group bit with like three people. Yeah. That is fun. I think, for me, it's like one-on-one earnest, mm-hmm. three people a bit, mm-hmm. greater than four. I don't like that. Checking out. It's yeah. like <laughs> people are just competing for the, it yeah. gets tougher. And some I'm, people are yeah. better at competing than others I in know. large groups. I'm also like in this large group of gay people friend mm-hmm. group, like outside of comedy. And they're all so funny. <laughs> and they all have these like group bits and inside jokes that they're always doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm professional comedian and I just like can't even keep up. Yeah. And in the group <laughs> chat, like I'm always behind. So I'm just like, okay, well. That's you know. great. Yeah. But also having non-comedian friends, what a gift. What a gift. <laughs> yeah. That's also something I invested in my first year being here. I like mm-hmm. joined a soccer team and then nice. I met all the gays in the city. I was going to say, I was talking about this at your show with someone. Oh, it's talking with, with your, my brother. Your, your brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With this guy. Yeah. I asked, uh, I was like, I asked Chris Barnes, I was like, if you weren't doing stand up, what would you do to make friends? And he yeah. was like, probably just like go to bars and talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and I was like running club, improv, right. like game club, <laughs> yeah. all sorts of shit. <laughs> yeah. But soccer team's a good one. Soccer team's a good one. Also, Chris, so funny and I totally could see him going into a bar and making a bunch of friends. Yeah. Like he just is like that type of guy. I'm not capable of, of doing that. I, <laughs> I need organized oh. activity. When I go to bars, um, when it's someone's birthday and they go to a bar that's playing loud music, mm. we can't hear each other. I'm upset. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally. <laughs> I'm like a quiet dive bar or brewery guy. Yes. I'm like, let's all chill and like have conversation. Joker. <laughs> yes. Were you at Hayden Arrington's birthday last year when he just walk between the breweries oh no i couldn't so make nice. it i had oh. other I had podcast oh, obligations okay, okay. studio obligations that it was day. really lovely it was just like brewery walk brewery yeah like this is so nice it's a good time i'm a fan yeah. of the hey everybody my birthday is happening we're at this bar at this time hang out if you want yes yeah <laughs> yeah it's lovely i didn't expect um i feel like 
uh, or this year, last two years of comedy for me have been like the college experience. I felt like I missed out on where I have too many things I could be doing. And like last summer, especially it was like, I, there was like a month where I was like, I'm drinking too much and I don't drink alone. Mm. I only drink at events, but we had too many events to go to with friends. I was like, we gotta, I gotta stop. (laughs) That's a really good rule to have to only drink out of the house, like at events. Cause I could definitely, yeah. Or yeah. With other people is a very good rule to have in place. Um, yeah, there's so much to do. I think that's like, what's amazing about New York is like, Mm. there's, a lot of stand-up to pursue and there's like other stuff you can do and people here are just like so much more down to do new things i've found yeah and like that friend group i was talking about they go out every night of the week it's like oh people are doing something whoa yeah and i'm like i won't be there but Mm -hmm. that's nice to know it's an option i saw a cool video about this too uh people midwesterners think new yorkers are rude right and new yorkers kind of think midwesterners are a little bit rude and the reason why is like in the midwest people are very friendly on the surface. Like if you're in the grocery store, you say hi to someone if you walk past them in like the aisle, right? Yeah. They bump, oh, hey, how's it going? Whatever. And you go, keep going. But people in those areas only hang out with people they've known for their whole life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's hard to break into the circles versus New York. We all kind of ignore each other for the most part. For sure. But people are so much more open to adding people into their friend group. Yes. Which yeah. I think is cool. Almost desperate too. Well, you have to have a friend group because like people cancel people flake a lot in new york Mm -hmm. too so it's like you have to have at least 10 people intending to be there and then like three will show up yeah yeah (laughs) for us yeah yeah uh i remember selling a bunch of tickets for a show one time and like you know 25 percent of the people showed up it's like i know all right so sad oh my god that's what's so tough about (laughs) my weekly Woof. People are like, I'm going to come. And then it's so easy. I mean, I flake on a lot of stuff too, so yeah. I don't blame them. It's I, I try not to flake, but I only put it in my calendar if I'm not going to flake. Yeah, like, that's that's good. Yeah. If it's like when I get invited to a lot of these partiful events, mm. I'm like, all right, when the reminder comes up week of, if we got free time and we're feeling it, we'll do it. Yeah. But I'm also busy enough where I don't want to be out all day. I'll, I'll flake. Partiful really, really blew up this this past year i feel like i've gotten so many it's because the only thing that was good about facebook yes, was facebook was events. events and no one wants facebook anymore i also think it was so funny because for a while you started we started around the same time mm-hmm. everyone was still using facebook messenger like for comedy at least in dc dude everyone you had to have a facebook n- to do comedy everyone who's not new york or la always uses Facebook for comedy. Yeah. And when I came here, yeah. people were asking for my Instagram. I was like, why do you yeah, want my Instagram? Yeah, everyone does Instagram <laughs> here, which is like in DC, a lot of people didn't even at that time like have an Instagram. Yeah. So I know I never check my Facebook anymore. That's something that's really nice about uh, New York because I had to have a Facebook in DC. It was crazy. Yeah. I'm like, I would, I, I would delete my Facebook, but I just like, uh, I like popping in every once in a while. Mm, but now it's I, interesting anthropologically. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, li- I don't post anything, but I like to see what other people are posting. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I joined a lot of like hobby type groups, so okay. my feed is stuff I'm like interested in anyway. Like, that is actually, I feel like my problem is I got the Facebook in eighth grade or whatever, so like my interests are like Oreos, oh, yeah, like yeah. Gossip Girl, you know. So. It doesn't feel tailored to me That's anymore. Fair. Yeah. I see I, I started mine sophomore year of high school. And then 
when I got to college, I was like, I got to get rid of some of this shit I was posting when I was 15, you know? Yeah. And what I did is every day for probably two years, I would go to the menu on this day button and then delete whatever posts I had posted. Oh my from the gosh, past. that's so smart. So I like cleaned it out where I'm like, every once in a while, I'll, I'll find what I missed. And I'm like, yeah. no, you're gone. But I try to keep the feed to the good stuff now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I know when I have things that like pop up like on this day in 2008. And I'm like, it's never, I haven't come across a couple things that would definitely be considered not woke. I think like, I think I, you used to have those conversations back and forth just on people's walls. Yeah. And I think I like called one of my teachers. I was like, yeah, Mr. Whatever is so bipolar or something like that. And I'm like, this is not okay to say. Wow. About, you know, but that's the worst thing I've seen. That is I'm just so getting ahead chill of it. compared to most Facebook users. <laughs> yeah. And because the, the majority of it is me just posting the sad lyrics. Yeah, I've I across, did a lot of that. Yeah, I, I posted one like freshman year of high school that was the line from that Eminem song. And it's like, I I raised the liquor counter up because I'm, I don't know, just a really like, I didn't drink or do anything like that. I'm like, why am I? So my friends text me like, are you okay? Like, oh like clearly that's what I wanted. Um, but Ima yeah. Now imagine that, but posting very specific metal lyrics and having nobody hit you. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that's infinitely worse. That's what yeah. teenage boys are like. Yeah. Uh, I also like, I don't know. I feel like the more I look back on high school, the more I'm like, some I should have just if I if I were my parents, I would have been like, you are going to play a sport. I don't care what mm. it is. I just had too much energy that I could not burn off. Yeah, like run yeah. cross country or something. Yeah, I think I would have been done. I would think I would have been great at football because okay. I would have beat the shit out of some people just to do it. Like yeah. back then I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so but instead I was like, what if I uh, got all sad? these super niche hobbies and then just was like unrelatable? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> always an option. Yeah, always an option. But yeah, like uh, the Facebook Instagram thing. I, I was like, why don't they have an Instagram event events thing? They're owned by the same company. I know. They should yeah. just sunlight Facebook and then or sundown Facebook. They should be like, we're Facebook is dying, everybody. Right. We're migrating everyone's favorite feature, the event, to yeah. Instagram. And now just they don't need there. to because now there's like the third party. But yeah. Yeah. How does Particle make money? That's a question for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, final question. We're at time okay. here. What do you love about stand-up comedy? Um, it sounds selfish because I already said it, but, uh, just the thing about like, I like the immediacy of feedback mm. to something that I wrote creatively. Nice. Uh, and obviously there's the community, there's other nice aspects, but I, <laughs> if I'm being honest, I would say that's my favorite thing about stand-up. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This course, is great. Thanks for having me. Where can people find you? Oh, uh, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Camille Roberts Verified. I post a lot more clips to TikTok, but I wouldn't recommend you get on that app. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Follow Camille, TikTok, Instagram, and come to Comedy at Dublay Thursdays at Dublay. 8.30. Yeah, 830. at Dublay. Mm -hmm. Go In check Bushwick. it out. That's our weekly show. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and as always, I'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.